Welcome to Film Grain, the official podcast of the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania and the Greater Erie Film Office. I'm Erica Berlin, the president of the Film Society. I'm John Lyons, a filmmaker, teaching artist, and executive director of the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania. This week, Film Grain Dinner and a Movie at the Bourbon Barrel presents the new Erie produced and Edinburgh University focused documentary, Art 100. And we have Jessica Taylor, Nick Taylor, Leah Pluff, and Greg Happ from Menagerie Studio with us to talk about the film and their recent doc. Rust Belt New Americans, which we screened with them about a year ago at Film Grain. Plus, we'll share some of our favorite experiences and wish lists for a film festival in Erie. Film Grain Dinner and a Movie is our Wednesday night film series at the Bourbon Barrel located at 1213 State Street in downtown Erie, PA. We've got a big 16-foot screen and seating options include comfy couches in the front and back of the space and tables with high chairs in between. Dinner is buffet style and included with your admission. Vegetarian options available each week and gluten-free on request. Plus, the friendly staff at the Bourbon Barrel provide table service all night long. Reserve your seat when you order online at filmsocietynwpa.org. This Wednesday, November 13th, we've got a new locally produced documentary, Art 100, with the filmmakers from Menagerie Studio in attendance. And instead of John previewing this film, we've brought the team here in person to give us all the deets. So maybe so our listeners know who's who. Maybe just um, give us a quick your name and where color. you're from, <laughs> your favorite color. What's your major? <laughs> what was your major? Uh, so I'm Greg Happ. I am one of the team members at Menagerie Studio and uh, went to Edinburgh University, actually, so it's nice to be back. Nice. Yep. Yeah. Uh, this is Nick Taylor. Um, both Jess and I actually went to Penn State, but... Um, we are very fond of the Edinburgh mm-hmm. campus, and yeah. <laughs> uh, Leah, T- Leah Pluff. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also went to Edinburgh, studied film, and Greg and I were in the same film class, so we oh, cool. also met at Edinburgh. And I'm Jessica Taylor, and I went to Penn State for film. Great. So did you guys um, meet at Penn State, or did you know each other before you and Nick? Mm. Well, Nick and I actually started dating in high school oh, first okay. time around. <laughs> then yeah, you knew each round other. One. Yeah, round yeah. one. And then, um, yeah, Nick went to Penn State for accounting, and I went for film school, so yeah. thank God he did that, because that's how our business is viable. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you guys, because um, I know, Nick, you you didn't go for film school, right? Right. Right. You were, what was it, accounting? or? Yeah, went for accounting. Yeah. The most exciting degree. Business. Uh-huh. Big business. Um, you know, as Jess said, it did come in handy when I'm sure. we went to start our studio. But, um, you know, when Jess and I first met back in high school, was actually the first time that we made films together. And it was largely for class projects, but also I happened to be a, in a band at that time, which I am still a member of. What's that band? It's uh, called Falling Hollywood. Um, Check them out. They're on Spotify. (laughs) Yeah, we are on Spotify. Um, But yeah, we started that in high school, and we actually, you know, just made music videos for us back then, um, which still live on somewhere in the ether of the internet. Nice. And funny enough, the first thing that Leah and I collabed on was the Blue Jeans video for your band. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this is while you guys were in college? 
Um, I, at, I was still at Edinburgh when we did Yeah, that. so we had just been starting the company at yeah. that time, and um, and Leah was in at school at Edinburgh, so. Yeah, and you guys, like, helped me produce some of my films while at Edinburgh in my senior year. Okay, so to back up just a, a little bit, how did you guys find the, the film programs here locally? Give a grade, I guess, <laughs> to your educational experience and maybe experience outside of the classroom? Um, well, um, when I went here at the time, well, we both had uh, Hanjin Park as our professor. He's yes. a great guy and uh, taught us a lot, especially about, you know, the industry outside of just, you know, going to school for it. Yeah, yeah, outside of the classroom. So that was really awesome. Um, he really pushed us, I think, you know, uh, to make our best work and stuff like that. But, I mean, overall, I mean, the campus is a, it's a good place uh, a few months out of the year. Yeah, <laughs> Other yeah. than that, it's cold. No, but, uh, you know, it's a good time. Good. And I remember featuring, uh, we featured some of your guys' work. Um, I know for sure Leah's at, like, the Erie Art Museum and stuff like that. For Chimera, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, Jess, how about at Penn State? Uh, how was how was the experience? Um, well, oddly enough, um, the film school was pretty small at Penn State. So, um, you know, Penn State has the reputation of having these really large classes. I only had 50 kids in my major. So, the entire major. Yeah. So it was nice to be able to get to know and work with the same people over four years. And um, I felt like it taught me a lot about teamwork. Um, you know, we did learn some of the things, but it's it's hard with like a film degree. You kind of get more of like an overview of all the different roles you could be a part of. But what I think the most valuable thing was learning how to work with other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you guys were in these classes, did you start um, kind of feeling which, which roles you're most interested in? Did you know when you were in school or did that come later with more experience? Like if you wanted to direct or produce or do VFX? Or... Well, being a, a team that's so small like where there's only four of us at menagerie it's we actually all do a little bit of everything um you know we do have our certain grooves that we we follow in but i think that um film school was actually great because you did a little bit of everything in in film school and then now we're also all doing a little bit of everything now so great so you got a well-rounded experience then Mm -hmm. i'm guessing i'm sure that makes you very flexible for your clients as well Right, your scheduling doesn't have to revolve around one person doing one role. That's very true. Yeah, yeah. that's true. And not to mention, my last semester here at Edinburgh, I actually got an internship where I'm at now. Oh. So I would not have this job <laughs> without coming here for school. So. Okay. And do you guys still take interns now? Yeah, we actually just had one this past semester, um, but she was actually from Mercyhurst. Oh, cool. Um, which they don't have a, a film school, but she was a communications major. And then we also had, um, we had a, a few Edinburgh interns since Greg as well. Mm-hmm. Three or so? Braden, Eric, and Sal. Sal? Uh-huh. Yeah. And they've all been really great. Mm-hmm. I felt like anybody that's come from Edinburgh has been really well prepared for the kind of work that we do. Mm-hmm. That's great. So whose idea was it? Let's make this official. Let's form a, a company, start a business, take the dive. You know, how did that kind of come um, to be? Well, at the time, Nick and I, we were just dating, and um, we were trying to avoid working together because we're like, that's never going to work. That's a terrible idea. Um, But it really couldn't be done with 
you know, without it, without what he knew with accounting and everything. So he was helping me set up the business. And then after about a year of, of me kind of on the road on my own, um, you know, he came into the picture and, um, and at the time Leah was in film school. And so we're like, why not just add another family member to the mix? (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, and like Leah had mentioned, we had, you know, collaborated on a couple projects and it really just worked really well. We all have very similar visions for uh, the way we like to create. And so I, I really think like, you know, the, the beginning, the first three years of Menagerie was mostly, you know, Nick and I trying to figure out how to just start a business. Yeah. Um, but it really took shape once uh, Leah and Greg got on board and that's when we really started to see the company grow. Okay, so it start, when did you form Menagerie? Uh, we started in, in 2013, okay. when we got the LLC, and then I'd say you, you guys started in 2015. You were the... Yeah, what did I say? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, you started in 2015, and then Greg, you had an internship. Early 2016. Early 2016, yep. so... I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty good. There's a lot of us that, you know, still basically have one or two um, full-time main employees. So it's really impressive that there's, there are four of you in three years. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So you're getting a lot of business, I'm assuming. What kind of stuff did you work on when uh, Menagerie first started in the early days? Um, All music videos? No, oddly, it started with, um, Nick had seen an ad on Craigslist to do virtual tours for Google. Yeah, it's when this whole, that street view was becoming a really big thing, and (laughs) then they were doing this see inside buildings, you know? Take Um, a tour. Yeah, and I was like, well, you know, this might be a good first thing and some of the precursors to becoming a trusted photographer, as they branded it back then, um, was you had to have an LLC, you had to have general liability insurance, you had to, you know, kind of be legit. Yeah. So those were some of the important foundations were laid then by making things official. And um, at that time, Jess was setting up shop above her parents' garage. Nice. That was the first iteration of Menagerie Studio. And then... Um, eventually got a small studio space above another Erie business. And, you know, that was kind of the, the very beginnings. But first video projects, like... Um, I think one of our first video projects... I remember projects. the That was one of the first ones I remember. That, yeah, well, that was, yeah, when you worked on... I think the first one that we did was Voight and Electric. And Voight. then we did Eddie Griffin News. Yeah, so oh. weirdly... Oh. One of our first things was for Eddie Griffin, a <laughs> comedian. Yeah. Was uh, that through Anne Flagella? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, he wanted to do like a talk show kind of thing. Um, I think Snoop Dogg had started his thing right our around good this friend time. Snoop. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but Eddie was like, you know, I want to do that. Um, have like a talk comedy show. So our job was to create like the the graphical intro and edit his things. We were doing all the post-production. Oh, wow. And actually, weirdly enough, my my brother, who went to Edinburgh for animation, we actually subcontracted him to do the 3D animations that became his intro. And More stuff. tailors were needed. More right tailors. <laughs> but, Russ um, also went to Edinburgh. Yeah. 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 But, yeah, I was thinking, yeah, Leah, maybe when we brought you on, yeah. it was very... 
was you all know. over the place initially. Well, the, the first things that I remember not film related when us first working together, just you and I, were the hotel shoots where we were doing the virtual tours of um, these different hotels. And they were, we wound up like in like a lot of like central PA because you would like bop around to these hotels. You would like stay in one so that you could photograph it early in the morning and then go to another one. And those very interesting because you saw all the scale of different hotels that are in PA. So you traveled for this. It wasn't just like Northwestern Pennsylvania. Right. Because they would look for the nearest trusted photographers and, um, and then they would, other companies would contract you. So if they had, you know, a hotel chain as a client, then they would look for people in the area. And turns out there weren't a whole lot of people in Pennsylvania. So they could be trusted. (laughs) (laughs) Although the greatest part about the whole thing is the, the virtual tours. These were not like the best hotels of PA. These were just like, Hotels. Like, like just, the scale of <laughs> any hotel. Some of them were like motel status. Yeah. yeah. And you had to photograph yeah. them and make them look appealing. Nice. And yeah. So creativity. So for those starting out, like what was your gear situation like in these early days? What how what was the logistics of doing a hotel tour and you know what scale were you guys on at that point? So I guess I'll I'm kind of the the gear nuts of the the gear guy (laughs) of the group. I've even done a couple review videos on YouTube. That's how nerdy Uh, I am. All right. (laughs) Nice. Um, But yeah, uh, this, the whole business was built on a Canon T3i and a kit lens. That, that was basically what started it. And when this is like what, uh, probably what $2,000, all around package oh, or, no. or less a thousand less. my T3i. parents actually <clears throat> bought it, was... it for me like when i was graduating in college oh, nice. it's yeah. like a here's a camera it's, yeah it's it probably worked. like uh, a <laughs> like 600 yeah like 600 camera oh, oh wow okay um all right, but great. our first like video clients that's what we had but i we had bought a um a h4n to like mm-hmm. upgrade our audio a little bit. Mm-hmm. So grand total now talking maybe just under a thousand dollars, but we used that for like a year and awesome. like built our business off of just that setup yeah, pretty much. That's what you had. Getting a light here, getting this there, and you know, we actually still use that T three I. For the virtual tours. For virtual tours. Because it has <laughs> all day. the accessories and um to actually do that because we have the sigma fisheye lens and okay. then there's a thing called a, a nodal ninja that right. attaches to the tripod <laughs> and that's your established trusted photographer look. Yes. <laughs> correct taylor, taylor, taylor and taylor trusted yeah. photographers yeah. attorneys at law yeah. <laughs> so you started off with these and then um where did it progress from there menagerie um well, and I was still using my laptop from college mm, to do all the right, post-production yeah. and editing. Um, it was a MacBook. That thing lasted forever. Still and around. Yeah, actually, it is, I still use that, but not to edit anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, and then after that, um, we started to kind of upgrade, like, what machines we could be editing on. Because when Leah came on, we were still working out of our house. Mm-hmm. We had moved out of my parents' garage and just moved into our house. And I brought my like Frankenstein computer from, as in like my brothers had built this for me kind of thing, but with pieces of (laughs) other things that got moved into the house and then you did more to it. 
Yeah, I, I also like to build computers, so <laughs> almost all of our You're computers. the techie. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, working on Frankenstein computers and all this stuff. But um, And we got the Samsung NX1. <clears throat> was, yeah, so. next camera. Uh, the next camera we got, it had 4K. This was like huge oh, at the time. Yeah. And that uh, was a couple bucks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was like, all right, now we get to get like a splurge. A little bit better <laughs> camera. And, it was, yeah, it was actually at Samsung uh, NX1, okay. which nobody has heard of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it actually is like a beast. It did 1080 at 120 frames per second, did 4K and nice. 30p and like all this crazy stuff. Um, so that was our, our next camera. And then uh, we eventually got the Sony FS5. We picked up a Sony a6500 and we recently picked up a Sony a7 III. So we just expanded our arsenal yeah. in, in different directions. Kind of fell different into that lenses. Sony niche. Um, yeah. But like slowly the, we're investing in different lenses and yeah, you know, we audio have equipment. Lighting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's so many different aspects to, you know, making a, a good video. You know, a camera is just one piece of the whole puzzle. And then, you know, ultimately they're all just tools. I've seen amazing stuff that's still filmed on like a T3i and I'm so impressed with what, you know, just knowledge of the filmmaking process uh, does. You don't need the craziest equipment to get quality stuff. That's what I was gonna ask is when do you guys, you know, add some debt or when do you make that investment? When do you decide like, is it when you have a certain job and maybe you, you know, weren't able to do everything you wanted to do or get the quite the resolution you wanted, then you're kind of like, okay, maybe now we need to, you know, invest in another camera? Or when, when do you decide that yeah. you need to expand your, your gear? So When you add Greg and... You, yeah, you know, right. Everybody gets a camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I feel like you spend a majority of your free time surfing Amazon yeah, or it's a, B&H. It's a problem. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm, that's, that's what I do in, in my free time. Um, but I think a lot of times it is job specific. So we have something coming up and then, you know, we'll be like, you know what, we really need this extra capability. Um, or one of our pieces of equipment kind of craps out. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we, we have a shoot coming up where we're going to have to do some gimbal work. So actually very recently we purchased. As in a, last night. As in last <laughs> night, uh, we purchased a new gimbal because I wasn't going to trust this other one for a job. So, um, we have that coming up for a shoot, but. I think, you know, all the other things have really been the, the major upgrade to the look of our videos. Like, we got these new lights from Aperture, which, not a sponsor, but hey, if you want, <laughs> if, you're listening, if you're listening to this uh, podcast, um, they make these great lights where you can do a lot of different things with it. You can attach a softbox, you can add barn doors to it, you can turn it into a spotlight, turn it into a Fresnel. These LEDs? Uh, yeah, it's okay. a it's a chip on board LED. So instead of a bunch of little points, it's like a two inch diameter mm-hmm. chip that just emits a single source. Nice. So Very you can get flattering too. Yeah, does like, it show every line of uh-huh. um, But we've been using that as like our main key light for interviews, um, and so like that alone, more than lens choice or the camera or resolution we're shooting in just made a huge difference so yeah it's not always yeah. about another thing too that oh, that really um helped us when upgrading was uh the ta- the kiz tax credit mm-hmm. uh-huh. so when we located our office downtown it was in the keystone innovation zone 
and um, and we became part of that program actually because of the virtual tour service was when did considered you sign a up technology. For KIZ. When did this happen? Twenty thirteen. Yeah. Oh, really early on. Yeah. Because okay. yeah, Dave Hunter from Epic Web was part of the program, and and he was sort of the um, the guiding light in the early stages of our business. Um, a lot of the things that we like decisions we made back then were based off of things that he had done with his business. So, um, yeah, he was instrumental in, in getting us started. And it's funny enough because the first time that I actually had this epiphany to, to start this whole thing, I was working at a car dealership in the service department. Wow. And uh, after college, after mm-hmm. college and really loving life. Yeah. And uh, and I was <laughs> I was, you know, really like, what am I going to do with this film degree? Um, I had been doing some freelance stuff for the Erie Reader. So I knew uh, Corey Valancourt. Oh, yeah. And Corey Valancourt messaged me on Facebook and was like, hey, I'm going uh, down to Epic Web for lunch. You need to come here, meet Dave Hunter, like, you know, just come right now. Yeah. So I went down to Epic Web and Dave was like, you know, in the very Dave way, was like, you all you got to do <laughs> is, you know, get an LLC. It'll cost you like 70 bucks. Yeah. And there you go. You're up and running. You can use this studio space upstairs. Like, we'll get you going. That's and awesome. uh, within a month, that's that's what happened. So take us. What's the KIZ for those who, um, who don't know? So. I think you could probably talk a little bit more about that than me. The accountant. Yeah. Yes. Um, so very basically, it's it's called the Keystone Innovation Zone uh, tax credit, and the state of Pennsylvania designate designates different areas as innovation zones, um, much like the opportunity zones that are the new thing popping up. Um, and if you locate your business in those areas and you're in a tech field, um, which is pretty broad, mm-hmm. you know, the virtual tour stuff fit that mold. You can apply to become one of these businesses. And then it's, the way it works is as you grow your revenue, um, you sort of get a tax credit based on growth. So year one, let's say you make $50,000. Year two, you make $100,000. Mm-hmm. That difference there is then multiplied by 50%, and that is your tax credit okay. amount that you get, basically. How long so, does that go for, the period of a... So up to eight years. Okay. So, you know, we're so about you're still to... in. you're still in it, though? Still yeah. Still in the KIZ. Yeah, we're still in the program. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the great things, the way it's structured is, like, you have to grow your revenue in order to, you know, keep it worth it for you. So it really... It wants you to get better and get a bigger team and increase your capabilities. Well, and the big thing is, you know, you might not be able to write off that amount because you don't have that much to write off, but you can sell the remainder of those tax credits to companies that will then use it to write off their own taxes. So um, in in Erie, there's a company that will help you connect you with those types of businesses. What's that company? KIZ Resources. Um, Yeah, their entire business model is buying up these unused tax credits because clearly our tax liability was not going to be, you know, $25,000. I, I wish because then that would mean we're making a lot of money. But, um, you know, any excess you can then uh, sell to this company who sells it to large companies like Pepsi or something. Uh-huh. Um, and they buy the tax credit for 90 cents on the dollar. Great. And that's millions of dollars to them. It's, you know, pennies. to. Yeah. So, I mean, it's... Yeah, probably the other way around. But yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah, it 
that's the money that we would use to then reinvest back uh -huh. into our our company. That's great. So it made decisions like when to buy a new camera a little bit easier because we knew, you know, that money um, would be coming in. And it's always a little bit, you know, we're not really sure how much we're going to get every year, but um, but every time it's that's what we use to mm -hmm. upgrade. Well, before we transition into like documentary, um, what are some of like the corporate nonprofit kind of things that you guys, some of your highlights that you've worked on over the years before kind of delving into this new area, which we'll talk about then. Yeah. Um, so I think we did this really cool project recently for the chamber, um, which was for Erie Homecoming, which is this event they had this last summer to attract a bunch of, well, wealth back into the area, get investors to look at Erie and be like, hey, this might actually be a really good time and place to invest money. It is. So, yeah. So, you know, we were commissioned to put together sort of a mini documentary to capture the different people around town that were making things happen and sort of put together this this hype reel, in a sense, to be like, hey, cool. look how cool Erie is and all these people doing awesome things. So, um, I, you know, the documentary form is such a powerful tool because it's not just like cheesy car salesmen kind of coming on and doing, um, you know, buy now and do all these crazy mm -hmm. things. Uh, it's just real people talking about what they're doing and, you know, capturing that. And I know I'm getting tested over here. Um, <laughs> I would also just like a shout out. <laughs> yeah. No, we work with, yeah, they're, they're because we, we work with some pretty wonderful car dealerships here that are not that. Um, well, and that's what's been great about working with different types of industries is we're allowed to, you know, put our creative spin on things. And um, a lot of our clients are very open to allowing us to have the freedom to maybe do something a little bit different. That isn't the you know stereotypical car commercial, and like I think, you, you have know, some creative freedom here, right? Yeah, That's and good. and we we like to also um, you know like Bianchi Honda for example, like they come up with the ideas for the scripts, and so it's it's fun to be able to work with some of their creatives and you know bring to life something that's. <laughs> That's that they were trying to do. I believe I saw a dachshund in a oh cape. <laughs> Is that what I saw? <laughs> I believe you did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Honda Max. Yeah, I feel like they've gotten more creative over the years as well because they're probably one of our like more early on clients. Yeah, Bianchi Honda was one of our earliest clients. And through working with them, I feel like they've really like opened up and gotten more creative and have almost started telling more narrative type commercials, which you wouldn't expect from like a local car mm -hmm. commercial. And I feel like that's kind of what also separates them is that they clearly care about advertising and genuine advertising. And it, that just kind of comes through in their mm -hmm. commercials. Well, and I think, you know, all four of us have, you know, a thing for documentary type style of filmmaking and that's you know even with our equipment you know we everything that we have is very like run and gun we need to be able to like get in get out in a short amount of time but still have the quality of work that the client's looking for um, and I think that our strength is definitely in that type of storytelling where we can you know show up and you know you know and through editing and things crafting a narrative almost like in reverse order so um, 
Another favorite client, because it always sticks out to me, was definitely Romolo's. That was, like, the most fun Yummy. day. We're like, mm-hmm. oh, we really need to get a shot of a milkshake. Uh, I guess we got to make one. <laughs> oh, now what do we do with it? Like, And they just took us through that whole place. And that was a place I had grown up with, you know, living in Erie. So it was really cool to then, as an adult, get to, like, go behind the scenes, get to know the owners of it. And that was, and that kind of turned into like a mini documentary as well. It was like a brand video for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that one was really fun. And that's been our biggest thing is, is what we call brand films, where they are these, these mini documentaries and it's not, you know, a typical um, commercial or like salesy type video. Um, it's very organic. You know, we sit down, have real conversations and then try to piece together an actual like genuine um, story about what the the business is feels more personal. Yeah, and it is like you were saying. It's cool to get to go behind the scenes of some of these places, and and through having this company, I've learned more about things in this town than I think I ever could have. Just you know, it, it really gets you in the door behind the scenes, and um, I mean. You know, even just like the Our Erie project, that was another like um, one where you could just, you know, meet a lot of different people. And it's it's cool to see like all the cool things that are happening around here. So you do a lot of documentary style with, with your commercial clients, if you will. But um, let's talk about uh, Rust Belt New Americans and that project. So tell us what it is and how did you get involved in it? Uh, well, um Funny enough, when Leah had first started working with us, Leah and I had talked about wanting to do um, some kind of documentary on the refugees in Erie because at the time there was it was probably the largest influx in in a while, and um, but we really had no way of we didn't know where to start. We didn't really have necessarily an in with the community, and that kind of got put on the back burner. Um, but. <clears throat> Um, so Matham Bashaaga, who was, is a photojournalist and was working for the Reader, did a photo exhibit where he photographed, and he called it Rust Belt New Americans. He photographed several refugees in the area and then wrote pieces telling their stories. And it exhibited in the Reader and then in different places around town. And once we saw that, we were like, this, this is the story we mm-hmm. want to tell. And this is the perfect way to, like, these stories need to be brought to light. Um, now, this was a, a passion project. You know, we didn't really go out to get funding or anything, and so we wanted to put together a concept piece. This we didn't, was one for you, for you guys. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. And, and the we thing is, that. like, we went into it kind of like this is, this is a concept piece. Matham is, you know, going to Africa, and we really had a very short amount of time to make it happen. Over a, a couple of months, we filmed a few interviews, and then it took us a while to get that together because we were doing other client work. Sure. Kind of yeah, yeah. Um, and honestly, I don't think that we thought it was going to grow into what it had <laughs> at mm-hmm. the time. Um, what were you thinking originally? I guess what was your I mean, I think, well, honestly, like, I just thought, like, people in Erie need to know who these people are. These are their neighbors. These are people that are part of our community. It was really just for, like, locally Mm -hmm. to get people to understand. Well, I was going to say one of the points in the project where it really clicked for me seeing everything come together was we used the photos from... Matham's photo series in it and Greg did this like amazing parallax effect on the photos and like just kind of seeing it 
all like come together and that kind of wound up being essentially the b-roll for the most part for the the series was Mm -hmm. and that's when i really got to see like your creative work in after effects which after effects to me is still (laughs) like (laughs) (laughs) i'll stay those uh photos that made them took were like breathtaking and it really just kind of i think catapulted this idea you know what was your idea? Yeah, I was gonna say same (laughs) thing as probably you were explain um the idea that you came up with to use his photos um so just taking you know these already amazing looking photos and just kind of bringing them even more to life through some like 3d animation and stuff like that and like uh parallaxing kind of just to give it that filmic look even though it's a still photo maybe with the production value just took it up a little bit you know sounds time consuming it certainly is (laughs) very it's like a better more interesting alternative to like the ken burns effect on photos kind of thing i just never seen that before and so it was like wow this is awesome yeah it worked for sure i remember yeah and, and sort of the other story that was happening here was of course you know matham himself is a refugee that you know came here from Iraq, and so he was able to connect with um, the interviewees in a way that you know we just can't. You know, growing up living in Erie, being who we are, um, so we were able to kind of just sit back and watch these conversations just organically unfold, and him to be able to tell his story as well, and you know, sort of be the protagonist of this film. Like that was such a unique. Uh, feature to it that I think people really connected with. And then, you know, talk about the end result and, um, you know, what, what you've done with it um, since completion. Well, we, so we premiered it at the Jefferson Educational Society and, um, and we were shocked by the amount of people that attended that event because it was, it was a full house, like standing room only kind of thing. Awesome. And it, yeah, it made me very proud of where we're at because in Erie because I'm like this is this is something that's it's big. Um, but after that, uh, we decided to submit to some film festivals, and we had never done that as you know as a company. We never had a project that we could do that with. So um, yeah, we you know went on Film Freeway, submitted to some festivals, and um, and the first one that we got into was in um, in San Francisco and. That was, it was such an interesting, I don't know, thing because we were just like, fun. like, wow. One of my favorite. We got yeah. so spoiled. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Like, oh my God. <laughs> like, yeah, and it was, thinking. but it, and we're like, we have to go. Like, this is cool. Yeah. Like, we have to, you know, even if we just get into this one, it was a smaller festival, but, um, but it was really like, cool because the guy that hosted it um, connected all the other filmmakers. He had events at his house, so there was a lot of, you know, networking, and um, they had, it showed two nights in a row um, at a a theater, um, and it was also sold out both nights, Um, and yeah, it was just, it was very cool to, like, see that this story that's about Erie could be connecting with people from a completely different community, but yet they have similar things that they're going through as well, so... Um, they just and they just treated all the filmmakers so nicely like him opening up his home to all the filmmakers he threw this like after party the community there was so Mm -hmm. they were just like people interested in independent filmmakers like that's 
just what the community was interested in. Like, how, how often do you find that, you sure. know? Yeah, yeah and, and we ended up um, winning an award that at that festival as well. So that Good was, award. Um, we got second place overall, um, and it was all based off of audience voting oh, that's great so um yeah it was it was really cool and um and then since then we had gotten into um several other festivals and we went to some of them you know ones that we could go to yeah. um another one that i thought was really cool was the pittsburgh shorts festival that was probably the the one bigger festival that we got into and um, and it's crazy because one of the films that was in there, well, several of them were shortlisted for the Oscars, but one of them that won the festival actually won the Oscar for best shorts. Was so period, end of sentence. Yeah, yeah. period, end of sentence. And so being so, able to say something we created like just in the in same the category same, is that, yeah. like, that's like, crazy. Yeah. Because that, that film was. Yeah, that, I mean, yeah, there were a lot of amazing films. And, and I just feel like to us we were like okay now what's what's the next thing we want to do because that it just felt accessible for the first time to be able to actually do something that we were passionate about and then to you know actually have an audience for that and so it's interesting so what is what's the future for Rust Belt New Americans or an idea like that because I believe you and I've talked about that offline that you have big dreams so do you want to talk about that a little bit? Um, yeah I mean I can mention like you know I am working on a pitch deck because we thought um, you know like I said it was sort of a concept piece and there's a lot of things we would do differently um, if we actually had funding for it um, and we thought uh, a mini series would be cool um, so doing like a, a six episode, um, you know, different cities in the Rust Belt region, expanding more on that um, would be something that I feel very passionate about. And so our goal is to um, do this possibly next year during the election season and trying to capture some of that what's going on. So Love it. Yeah. yeah. So stay tuned. <laughs> and Rust Belt, key key area for this next election. Yeah. And yeah. I think I just saw that Erie County is one of the top ten uh, oh, counties that will decide the election. I saw that that article was on the hill. <sighs> We're gonna have more news yeah. coming back oh, to Erie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um but yeah, so it's been it's been great and um, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about this this Edinburgh project because yeah. that has been, you know, something that um, since then has really taken up a lot of, you know, our time and and it's been something we're very passionate about. So, so yeah, how did it come know. about? I guess take us through um, um, the origins of art. Is it, it's called Art One Hundred. It's called Art One Hundred, okay. and so we were approached by um, Jim Wertz from Edinburgh mm -hmm. and Julie Chacona. And um, yeah, we actually, we got a beer with them at Lavery's <laughs> and they were like, you know, hey, we want to do this, this thing. It was very preliminary. You know, they were just like, we know we want to do this. We don't really know what we want to do, but can you give us a quote? And so we talked with the team and, and came up with a very rudimentary, like. How do you give a quote when you don't really know? <laughs> That's, what the that is the goal. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I feel like that is every. Give us a ballpark number. I mean, was it really like come up with the concept and give us a quote? Like, was it kind of a freedom thing or was it um, like. A... Yeah, I mean, they, they knew they wanted to interview alumni. Yeah. Um, that was the main thing. Um, and they were like, we just want to tell the story of the art department. Okay. So. 
figure it out and give us a quote, basically. Was, right, yeah. and then add 20%. And, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, to, to their credit, they really did allow us a lot of freedom. They didn't say, like, you know, you have to do it this way or, you know, this is the story we want to tell or whatever. It was just like, hey, you know, here's a bunch of alumni that we'd like to get their story and then, you know, just figure it out from there. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, well, that's what, the funny thing. I, I think maybe Leah can yeah, talk a little bit say, about. Yeah, the story comes out in the editing. So. Right. And so this is, you know, with a project this big, you kind of just got to let one person kind of go at it. Mm-hmm. And so on this project, we, you know, entrusted Leah to kind of lead this. So maybe you can talk so about So how many that. hours of footage, Leah, were handed over to you to, <laughs> I mean, to figure it out? I mean, we 30 in different interviews. Um, and it was, we knew it was going to be a feature length film, which I've never, the longest we'd ever worked on was probably Rust Belt, which was around like 20 minutes. So I, or a little over 20. So I was kind of one of those things where you're like, where, how do you start? Like, what is the story? And with documentary and with these interviews, you never know what someone's going to say, what, what's important. How do you tell like a coherent story kind of thing? Um, and make it interesting to people who both went to Edinburgh, but also people who didn't go to Edinburgh, you know? Um, And I feel like as we were interviewing people, we started kind of figuring out, like, okay, this could become a topic, so on this next interview, make sure to ask them about that. And I think that helped, because there were so many interviews. Um, And some of the, like, key moments that really came out of it were, like, people talking about their mentors and kind of one of the fundamental things of art school in Edinburgh specifically are like the late nights in the studio. Like everyone had a story about that. You know, like you started figuring out what people who went 10 years ago to 40 years ago remember from it. Um, And so I just went in and created an outline and was like, all right, topic one, two, three, four, five, six, and then went through all the interviews and started pulling like this could go in that topic, this could go in that topic kind of put it all together, pulled out. And so it was a lot of just like put everything in, take some out, put more in, take some out. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and we actually transcribed all the interviews mm-hmm. and you actually had like a, an actual document. Yeah. Well, that, you know, you could kind of see the text version. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As well. Yeah. So that was... You did that with software or manually? Yeah, so we actually... This <laughs> was both. Uh, I was... T- it, uh, <laughs> A little bit of both. Software okay. got us like sixty-five percent. Yeah, the way yeah. There. <laughs> fix all the errors. Basically. Yeah. yeah, but uh, it's come a long way. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a plugin we used for Premiere called Transcriptive, mm-hmm. um, and they have a paid service through, I think it's like IBM Watson or something like okay. that. It's an AI thing, and you you do have to pay for it, um, but it's like pretty reasonable. Um, but that, you know, we did that for every interview and generated. Well, you know, what I'll say, though, honestly, I didn't really use that too much. Okay. You know, you know what? <laughs> but here's the thing. But the reason I say that is because the thing that actually saved me, so for anyone who works in Premiere, was the markers function in Premiere. I would watch through, find a soundbite, and using markers label, like, what that soundbite uh-huh. was. So it helped that, like, when I was going back through interviews, I could see visually, like, look through, look through. Okay, that's where he talked about that and pull that mm-hmm. out. And that's just a free function in Premiere right. that like was just a lifesaver, and I've used since. Like, right. I, we'd always kind of used them in different ways, but that was the one where it really just helped. You know, when you have that many interviews, you don't want to keep watching back, watching back. Um, well, so. all of our projects are usually, you know, 
two minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So you you don't really need as much of that because you can remember where it is in the timeline. Exactly. But so that's what I would recommend to anyone with a bigger project or even a small one is the markers function in Premiere. It's just, you know. Double tap that little Double M tap button. that M. Pull it up. And yeah. folder structure. Oh, and f- yeah. Oh, and oh save, my save, save, Super save. organized. Yeah. And save, save. And save, 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 save. Control S. Yeah. 10 seconds. But yeah, the, the, the um, organization on that project, we really had to get pretty strict about it and and like had everyone had their own folder there was a folder for interviews there was a folder for b-roll there was a folder for like this shoot this shoot everything was labeled and put in one place because over that time and we started that pretty early on mm-hmm. so by the time it came to editing it was all neatly labeled and and you know, a lot of this too another cool thing is a lot of the b-roll is actually from edinburgh students yeah yeah okay. they, we they gave us the um the all the raw footage from I want to say it was two years ago then they made like the promo video for the art department mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. and they had been going around I think it, yeah like <clears throat> they, they got a lot of because a lot of our production was during the summer so we didn't have footage of like kids in class mm-hmm. which is like super <laughs> important <laughs> yeah right. so we wound up using some footage from that to kind of supplement the like studio footage that we needed yeah and archive photos which Greg is putting to right. use that parallax effect it all ties together yeah <laughs> nice yeah some of those archive photos are awesome oh, especially so cool. being an alumni here myself seeing the campus from like the 60s 70s looking 40s. exactly yeah. the same looking exactly the same I'm like wow like you said stands tall <laughs> <laughs> unwavered yeah, yeah for <laughs> sure So what can we expect on Wednesday night? Well, um, as far as the, the content of the film, uh, again, Leah, I think you are the most familiar <laughs> kind of lead editing this whole thing. You know, what stuck, sticks out to you? Um, the, I mean, just getting to hear from all these different alum and different aspects of it. Because, you know, when you're a film student, you're in the art department and you're, you know, sitting there being like, why do I have to take drawing? Why do I have to take this? I just want to make movies. I mean, that's always how I felt. And so, but then, you know, I, it gave me a new appreciation for it. And, and some of the artists, like, one of the key things that stuck out to me about it is their stories. Like, when you really are like, hey, you know, tell me about a cool project. And this, like, seemingly, you know, very quiet woman, you know, had the craziest stories in the whole film. Like, <laughs> the, just, and I don't want to spoil anything, but, yeah, you'll know her when you see her. Um, and then just getting to hear from, you know, people who are off at, like, Lucas Films and some an animator who's at Nickelodeon. Um, a couple of graduates that were, I know they left when I left, um, but we both knew them at over at Top Hat. Which is a down in Pittsburgh. Down in Pittsburgh, uh, they're like our age. Marketing agency. Yeah. Graphic design. Well, it's so interesting to see how people were able to apply their art degrees mm-hmm. in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, it's encouraging. Like who? Who are we gonna see? <laughs> I, 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 I must, I'm trying to think of well, like like Christian Kuharik. Um, he works at the Hope Center in Sharon, and he. He went to school for ceramics, but he started um, an after well, he was part of an organization that started an after school program for underprivileged youth, teaching them ceramics. And like this space is gorgeous. And it's interesting to just see, you know, how he's living in the middle of nowhere, PA, but like making a difference with with his talent. And 
And Re- Rebecca, to me, was probably one of the most surprising people and wound up kind of inspiring me, and I want to follow up with her. What's but, Rebecca's last name? Uh, Signorello. Okay. And she is down in Newcastle. And what was so interesting about her is she went for animation, kind of got um, hooked into painting, and she's also, like, a construction worker. Like, she works on a construction crew, which is interesting in and of itself because that's very male-dominated. I have seen she her is. work in Newcastle. I was going to say, you've probably yeah. seen her work because in addition to being a construction worker, she is, like, an unbelievable mm-hmm. painter and recently married the two um, yep. in the Roadworker series, yep. which is what's going to be featured in it. And when you, like, when we walked into her studio and there was just... She had all of these life-size. life-size paintings of her workers just all standing there staring at you. You're like, whoa. <laughs> like, you, yeah. cool. You know. Excuse me, sir. She actually painted the mural in the auditorium on campus. It's like a Jimi Hendrix oh, yeah. mural. Right. And then she also painted the mural at Romolo's. Sugar. In sugar. Well, actually, not even a mural. The entire room mm. is like Candyland. And she <laughs> painted that whole thing. And she's just, like, so humble and, like, like oh. And then you just see it. She's just surrounded by these amazing paintings hmm. and... And, and so it was cool to see someone really take, like, you know, use what you know and marry the two. And, and so, yeah. And uh, LaToya, oh, yeah, LaToya, who spoke at graduation, like, she's phenomenal. They're, I mean, all the people in it are just phenomenal in what they do and yeah. how they've applied yeah, arts. Yeah, she was featured in the, her work was featured in the New York Times. What's uh, LaToya's last after, name? Uh, Ruby Frazier. Okay. Um, and so uh, it was like a, a week or two after she had been interviewed for this project, her work was covered, New York yeah. Times, yeah. Yeah, photography. Mm-hmm. How about you, Greg? What, what sticks out to um, you? I was just gonna say, uh, maybe not specific content-wise, but just uh, interviewing all these alumni in and of itself mm-hmm. and getting to know all these people's stories and stuff like that. I think if if you're a, an alumni or if you're not, I think you're going to take away something from this film for sure. It's going to make you want to go to art school. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Specifically yeah. Edinburgh. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, know. I walked away and I'm like, Dang, I want to know the tuition rates before <laughs> and after. We need the numbers. We'll use it later. So we've, um, you know, John and I, with the Film Society, you know, we've always talked about bringing a really cool film fest here to Erie. And yes. you talked about your experience in San Francisco, how cool that was. But any other favorite experiences that you have? And if you could envision what a film festival would look like here in our community, yeah. what, what would you say? What would it look like? So, I mean, We're taking notes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the one thing about the, the film festival in Walnut Creek, I think it was called Mountain Shadow, mm-hmm. I want to say. Um, just the intimate nature of that, just like how... It wasn't stuffy. It wasn't, you know, trying to be more than it was. It, it felt like, you know, the the director and his wife and his dog, like, you know, welcomed us into their home, and they served brunch for all the filmmakers, and nice. you just kind of got to sit and have coffee and talk about, like, oh, how did you do that and that thing, and. Well, in Pittsburgh <clears throat> shorts, that you know, it was a bigger scale, but they still, you know, everybody got like swag bags that had coupons to like local places to eat and get coffee and then they had events throughout the weekend um which one that nick and i went to which was a pitch fest or a pitch session Uh so you know filmmakers could you know go there and they actually brought in somebody who was one of the the judges for the festival to sit there and you know they could pitch like their next ideas and give give them feedback and he actually had connections he's He's actually an agent Yeah. yeah We just watched, okay. like, at, at, we just kind of were like, I kind of like to see this, and we were blown away by the pitches that we heard. 
like I, I'm searching for these things to see if they became mm-hmm. reality. You know, there's the, the the one pitch of the guy who was talking about like the cat that like could see through different dimensions and like yeah. the other world. Like <laughs> I'm doing a horrible pitch of it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but, like, so there's this cat you see. Yeah. <laughs> but sold amazing. Like every single pitch that people had, I was like, wow, you know, this is amazing ideas coming out of this. Was this the thing. general public at these? Probably not the pitch thing, right? No, this was just a small luncheon of filmmakers and this agent from a company that does this. Like so uh-huh. you're pitching to a guy who actually does listen to pitches for a living. Um, so that was cool and conquer- conquered, yeah. conquered, not concord. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> As the locals conquered. corrected us, yes. conquered. Well, just having that opportunities to be able to like meet the other filmmakers and get mm. to know them, because even in Concord they had you know meet and greet events, and um, the the Cleveland uh, Shorts Fest cool. also had like a happy hour and and things that just can allow you to like just meet. And then it's it's nice when you have that sometimes a little bit before the films, and mm. then also after you've seen some of the other films, so that you can actually talk to the filmmakers about you know. One one thing that is interesting is uh, one of my best friends, Jess Swagonski, works at a film festival out in uh, Nevada City, California. And right before I started working at Menagerie, I had potentially had thoughts to go work with her out of this film festival and kind of work that side of film, was the, the festival side. Um, but since then, I've talked to her a little bit about it because she started off as like a filmmaker liaison, acting as the person that like helps select all the films and when the filmmakers are chosen, help them get around town and she kind of would find them accommodations. And so her role was really important for them enjoying themselves. And then she's kind of, her role has definitely grown and she's helped um, spread this festival idea to other areas. And one thing that she had talked to me about a little bit regarding Erie, cause I've talked to her like, you know, we need something like this in Erie. Like what, you know, advice can you give being that you're on this side of it? And she was talking about how Nevada City they actually have two festivals that happen there, Wild and Scenic that she works at, and then the Nevada City Film Festival. And that area is very defined by its environment. Like there's the Yuba River that runs through it. People are very passionate about it. And so a lot of the films that they have are very kind of environmental related. And she was saying if Erie did something like that to kind of play into the fact that we do have Lake Erie, and not just that, but just all of the environmental tourism that goes on and helping um, kind of promote that, but also bringing in films that bring to light some of that and kind of just helping make it a more like niche festival. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's kind of what her recommendation was. So yeah, it just kind of yeah. being from here and working out there. And so, yeah. She's doing too fast. Well, I told him like, you should come doing. back. And right. <laughs> but I'm going to get her back here. Maybe we'll sure. get her back. Yeah, I would definitely, <laughs> definitely hit her up though. She is, yeah. Awesome. Um, when you guys travel to these festivals, because I know some festivals give like a travel stipend, or is this on your own dime? And what made you decide which ones to go to, I guess? Over yeah, others? I mean, it was on our own dime. Yeah. Um, you know, the only one that we f- that we actually flew to was the San Francisco one because it was like our first one and we were like, this this might be it. I don't know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> <excited>. <laughs> chance, you know? Yeah. Um, so we, we did like 
spend the money to do that to fly there everywhere else um was within driving distance okay. yeah and what about the other filmmakers that were at these did you get to meet people from other yeah. places outside well and, and a lot of the festivals did have something where they had to deal with the hotels they would get a block okay. and they'd say you know we can get you at least this um they, one uh, woman was from australia yeah at the oh, san yeah. francisco festival oh, great so yeah, and well, and in San Francisco, we actually knew people. We we yeah. stayed with friends. You stayed with family friend. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, that that was helpful. It's nice when you like know someone sure. stay. Um, yeah, and and I think too that just having they also would offer like passes as well. And so having that is nice because it you know film festivals can be expensive. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so they yeah. gave you some food. You guys said you had like a brunch and socializing and then help yeah. with hotels. And yeah. So you need some uh, relationships with the local community if you're running. Sure. And I mean, Airbnb is obviously like the way to go. If, you know, if you can get away with just doing Airbnb, I mean, it's the most cost effective and you can buy your food and it, it becomes very cheap, mm-hmm. you know, to stay somewhere. How's our Airbnb situation in Northwestern Pennsylvania. Hey, well, we it's have one. Pretty pretty good. Good. It's pretty good. I know. You guys have one. <laughs> multiple people sitting at this table. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's true. Lots of options. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, cool. Well, it's in our plan. We're, work, we're working on it. Yeah, we're working on, working it. on it. So mm-hmm. it's, good, yeah. it's good to hear, hear from you guys and get your experience there. Yeah. So we think it could work. And hopefully oh, we'll I have plenty works. of local filmmakers to submit and we can sure. celebrate for an external audience that will come in because, like, like you guys said, well, and, you and went I did out to see a, it. A lot of them they had like spots that were for like either like the state or mm-hmm. local mm-hmm. selections, mm-hmm. and so having lots of categories I think is also nice because it gives you know an opportunity to recognize people for different things mm-hmm. and yeah. Well, this was quite a talk. It was quite a talk. I enjoyed it. I know. So did I. You guys are really impressive. And I hope you stay in Erie. Oh, please stay. We're We're, we're we're here for the long haul. We love Erie. Good. And thank you guys for having us. Yeah. (laughs) Of course. You can buy tickets for Art 100 and Menagerie Studio and the rest of our programs at filmsocietynwpa.org or at the door the day of the event. Make sure you follow us on social media. You'll find all the tags and links in the show notes for this episode. Until next time, this was Film Grain. This podcast is produced by Edinburgh University's Center for Branding and Strategic Communication. It's part of the Northwest Pennsylvania Innovation Beehive Network.